Hello and welcome to Hoop7's Basketball Hustle for another week. And it's a massive show we've got. The second one with my new co-host. Really excited for that. We've got plenty to dissect, including our reaction to the Perth Wildcats 40th anniversary team, which might not have quite gone as we predicted last week. We'll catch up with the Boomers coach, Rob Beveridge, and there's a lot to discuss with him as well. We've got a 400th game from Jesse Wagstaff to look forward to. And that's not even touching on what we've seen on the court over the past past week since our, our last show. So plenty to get through. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host, but the man who was, a, who was a hit on his first show, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings in his second, Cody Ellis. Thanks for joining me once again. Chris and listeners, thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. That must mean you enjoyed the first show enough to, to come back. I did. I did. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And look... It, it was a fairly lengthy episode and I feel like we probably could have talked for another hour or mm. so after that anyway. Um, so yeah, man, really enjoyed it and um, hopefully the listeners did too. Yeah, absolutely. Got some great feedback and yeah, well, I mean, just you, what the insight you offered into the league, but also your personal journey, I think made it a, a special, a special show. Also, our predictions of the anniversary team, which we'll get to shortly, um, might have foreboded a little bit of what we're about to hear a couple of days later. So I, I can't wait to pick your brain about that. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how much has happened on the court in the NBL as well, which we'll get to shortly. But before we start all of that, we're going to catch up with your old coach, Bevo, who's now getting ready to coach the Boomers as well. But we talked about him last week in that ill-fated last season at, at, the, at the Hawks. And this is your first chance to talk to him in a long time. I'm sure you're looking forward to catching up with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a few years. I think the last time we caught up was his last year um, at the Gong uh, when they were over here playing the Cats. Um, so I got to catch up with him. And it was only for 10 minutes then. So mm-hmm. we're really, really looking forward to it. It'll be good to catch up with him. No, we're looking forward to that. We might even have a, have a special ring-in. So I won't promote that in advance just in case it doesn't happen, doesn't happen. But if it does happen... Stay tuned at some point during this show and you might have a, a very special extra guest. Of course, we're here thanks to Hoops Heaven. If you're in Perth, head to their store on Murray Street in the Perth City. If, you, if not, or if you're anywhere else in the world, head to hoopsheaven.com.au, the best basketball store you'll ever find. So everything you can hope to find, you'll find there. Now, it was an amazing weekend of action in the NBL, Cody. But I think probably, especially over this part of the world, the biggest talking point was the Wildcats announcing the 40th anniversary team. Yep. Before we get to the full squad, we spoke last week and when we saw the starting five get announced, which was made up of James Crawford, Andrew Vlahov, Sean Redditch, Bryce Cotton and Ricky Grace, we were feeling pretty good because that's exactly what we picked. It was, it was. And really, if that wasn't your starting five, you know, apart from Sean who didn't have himself in there, <laughs> uh, if that wasn't your starting five, then, you know, there's, yeah, I, I don't know what, what teams you're looking at. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, it, was, it was my team as well, so I can't, I can't argue. <laughs> when things really got interesting was in the, in the five off the bench. So no arguments at all with Paul Rogers as the centre, I don't think, as we talked about last week. Yep. Scott Fisher as well, who you know, you potentially could have argued in a starting role you know, with Sean, so no problems there. Damien Martin picks himself, yep. obviously, and he was named captain, which I think is fair enough as well. Yep. So that's when things get interesting. So anyone who's listened to this show over the past two weeks would notice that, um, take myself out of it, between Sean Reddy, Damien Martin and Cody Ellis, I think three reasonable names who know what they're talking about and know the Wildcats history pretty well. Nick Kay's name was not mentioned once as a potential in this team and it's not because no one didn't respect him as a player. Everyone knows how good he is as, as a player, but the reality is he only played two seasons in Perth. This is the 40th anniversary team. In my mind, there should have been some criteria set where you need to have been part of more than two out of 40, 40 years. Potentially something like a 100-game minimum would have worked in my mind, and I think that probably should have been implemented because the reality is these things, when we're looking back in 50 years' time and people look back on the history of the Perth Wildcats, they'll reflect on the 40th anniversary team, and these 10 players are the ones that they're going to see. They're not going to see the ones that were unlucky to miss out. So these things are... They're a big deal, and to me it's disappointing to two, two players in particular. And It was a toss of the coin in my mind between Matty Knight, who played, I think it was seven and a bit seasons, and Jesse Wagstaff, who's still going now, yeah. um, in his 13th year at the, at the club. To me, their longevity should have outweighed however good Nick Kay's first two seasons were. What was your reaction, Cody? Yeah, look, I, I think similar. Um, and this is where I think 
whoever put the criteria together or I guess lack of criteria together um, had a bit of a misstep. So from, you know, from the sounds of things, it was uh, put a team on the floor who you would want to go out and win a game. And for me personally, I don't think that is how you should be picking a 40th anniversary team. No. An all-star team is a bit different, I think. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But, and, and that's what we're talking about. It's, it's not an all-star team. It's not a you know, Wildcats all-star team. It's a 40th anniversary team. And absolutely no disrespect to Nick. He's one of my good mates, um, you know, played alongside him for a couple of years, have known him for a long time. Yeah. Amazing player. I think he was as important as, as Bryce was sure. in, in, in those couple of years. Yeah. And like you said, I think the criteria needed to be a certain amount of games or a certain amount of seasons with the club. Um, and, yeah, look, it, like I said, it, it's a bit of a misstep, I think. And that's not picking, picking on Nick because we obviously love him as a player. I remember in the first season of this show, we had a similar discussion, myself and Sean, yep. about Bryce Cotton. And I think at that point he was only in his third season. Mm-hmm. And we felt if you were picking a team like this or the discussion might have been at that time if he was the greatest player at the Wildcats, yep. we felt that at that point he hadn't played enough games. Mm-hmm. And Sean, Sean agreed. So, I mean, I'm taking my opinion out of it. But, <laughs> but Sean felt like at that point he hadn't played enough games and he right. pro- he probably played around the 60 or 70 game mark and Sean yep. was saying somewhere between 100 and 150 games before yep. he can con- be considered like something like that. And I think right now if Bryce Cotton had only played the two seasons, he probably doesn't get in the team either in my, in my mm-hmm. eyes because yep. even if he had been the MVP for those two seasons, I just don't think in a 40th anniversary team that two years is enough. No, and that's where the criteria has to be very sound. And it's, it's frustrating now looking back at it because it was, it's all done and dusted now and that's what's going to go down in, in the yeah. books. And um, look, you know, we're, we're not the ones that have to put it together and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And, there, and there's obviously lots of pressure on it. Um, but I, yeah, that, it, this was overlooked pr- pretty badly, this little spot. And I guess the question everyone's waiting for me to ask you <laughs> is what was your reaction and what was your dad's reaction when... Kevin Lish was given that guard spot ahead of Mike Ellis. Yeah, look, his, his initial reaction was, was similar to what I said in the podcast last week. Yeah. You know, he, he said, oh, look, water off the duck's back. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't bother him too much. But I really think it does. You know, it, I think it would eat away at him a bit. Um, you know, you go from being the co-captain of the 30th anniversary team to not making the 40th anniversary mm-hmm. team. Um, I think that is a bit bogus. Um, and I think... Since then, the, the cats seem to have posted a fair amount of Mike Ellis <laughs> content. So, uh, and, and look, scrolling through some of the, the comments and all that sort of stuff, I think everyone is a bit shocked that he wasn't in, in the team. Yeah. Um, and again, absolutely no disrespect to Lishy. Again, no, another amazing player who had an impact when he was here. You know, um, a, a guy that was look, looked at you know, he almost got the sack because he didn't yeah. live up to expectations his first yeah. few games and then stuck with it and, you know, Bevo stuck with it and ended up being MVP, finals MVP, mm-hmm. did a lot for the club and has done a lot for the league. Um, but, you know, again, a, a captain, the inaugural captain, 11 years, has done a, a heck of a lot for the club, um, for the NBL. And like, like I said last week, he's, he's still on a lot of the promotional videos a lot of the promotional content. Including since this team came out. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's frustrating, but it, it is what it is. It's a similar thing because I can imagine if you're picking a team to go out and play a one-off game, mm-hmm. I understand why you would want the brilliance of Kevin Lucci out there because yeah. he could be a match winner. But over the course of a 10-year stretch, probably want the consistency of a, of a Mike Ellis mm-hmm. because of, of how good he was running a team and as, as the, the leader and... That's what this should have been. An anniversary team should respect the guys who made the biggest contributions over that 40 years. Oh, exactly. And I don't have his exact numbers, but I think, you know, he averaged somewhere between 14 and 15 points a game, five or six assists a game, a couple boards in there as well. Over an 11-year span, that's pretty impressive, especially considering, you know, when they started, it was kind of just whoever rocked up the tryouts made the team. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating, man. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think it's going to eat at him a little bit. Um, not that he'll let that show. Oh, he won't, but what about you? 
does it does it upset you? What's your what's your personal reaction? Yeah, look, it, it I think it upset me a bit more than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Um, so the club had called Dad and and mentioned it to him that he hadn't made the team, mm-hmm. um, and then Dad had, Dad had called me straight away and, and told me as well. Um, we'd been talking about it the couple of days before, um, and. That also told him that they had to call a current player and tell him that he wasn't in the team as well. The being captain. Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> being Jesse. So, um, and, I was, yeah, I was fairly shocked at that. I was fairly shocked. And um, I guess more disappointed for Dad just because of, um, I guess, the loyalty um, that he's shown to the club. And, again, you know, you can't knock the, the people that voted because the criteria wasn't set properly, yep, right? Sure. Yep. So you heard Case and, and Liam talking about it on, on one of the games the other night and yeah. Liam said, you know, the criteria we got was put your best team on the floor, and, right? And like we just said, if we're picking a team to go and play a one-off game, then Absolutely. you can make that's, a pretty good case for Kay and Lish. That's probably a, a fairly set-in-stone squad right yeah. there if it was an all-star team. Absolutely. All right, Cody. Um, got a lot to get through because we still need to get to, to Rob Beveridge yep. shortly and there was a lot happening on the court but before we get on the court what did you think when the tribunal handed Matt Hodgson a one game suspension and then so so that was an independent um, judiciary so independent of the league the league clearly wasn't happy with that decision no. so they've now appealed that decision uh, we'll get that um, result in time for the game on Saturday night to find out if Matty Hodgson will be available to play or not. Yep. I don't know your opinion. I haven't asked you this off off air. Um, my thoughts are the three-game suspension was fair. I don't know why it was then two of those games were suspended. So maybe that's what the league is hoping for. What What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, look, I think it was um, a fairly soft um, suspension. You know, the one game with the two suspended. Um, originally, I thought that it was... A, three minimum two games Um, because you you look at the suspensions that have been handed out already in the season with Peatling, the hip and shoulder to creek, it's basically the same thing. And that's two face bumps to the face that... The the actions weren't the same. No, not at all, not at all. And they they don't deserve the same, um, you know, suspension. Um, So one of the big uproars is is people thinking that the NBL made this decision and then appealed their own decision. And that's not the case at all. Um, so that's it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I I think he will get two or three. I, I think it's fair to say we won't be seeing him on Saturday. I night. don't think so at all. No, yeah. right. Um, all right, let's get on the court. Let's race through the results that we saw after we recorded our first show last week. So mm-hmm. started Wednesday night. This was a, this was a shocking result. Probably more so the the margin and the way the game played out. The New Zealand Breakers beat the Illawarra Hawks ninety to sixty seven. Another surprise, probably, but maybe not considering the form that they continued. The Tasmania Jack Jumpers beat the Sydney Kings 77 to 70. Cairns Taipans severely short-handed, but it didn't matter. They beat the Brisbane Bullets 102 to 94. This was a fascinating game too. The Perth Wildcats, after a horribly slow start, overran the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix 101 to 79. Another shocker, but this team's playing some exciting basketball. The Tasmania Jack Jumpers, the first ever road win. 94 to 85 over Melbourne United and Sydney Kings bounce back to beat the New Zealand Breakers 84 to 65 and finally tough loss for the Hawks again they went down at home to the Phoenix 88 to 87 yeah I think we have to start with the Jack Jumpers Cody there's all of a sudden inside the top four they've won four games straight they're the form team of the competition and they're pretty exciting to watch yeah they're just they're playing really good basketball um and like we said last week, you know, you see the coaching staff so excited and so mm. pumped and so into it, that drags you along as a player with it. And they're, they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. And they've, while they're not the best team on paper, you know, they've, they've got weapons places. Um, you know, you've got to respect most of their guys from, from outside, you know, and then you've got big Magne inside just being a dominant force. Um, but... <laughs> They're a sneaky team. They're a sneaky, sneaky team. And I think people are now obviously going to take note and mm-hmm. have to come out and, and match their energy. I think that's how you're going to have to beat them. You're going to have to match their energy. But 
that's tough to do when they've been doing it for the whole season so far. That's what they hang their hat on. Yeah, there's a couple of things with them. It's the energy, the fact that they can play four-court defence for 40 minutes, which yeah. is not easy to do, but no. they've got enough players that they can rotate through and they can, they can do it. And now they've got guys making shots. And I want to get your thoughts on Mikhail McIntosh. I think a lot of people were wondering if he actually had a place on that team. But against Melbourne United in that first half, he, he's, he was the biggest reason why they opened up a, up a big lead. Mm-hmm. So coming into that game, he was only averaging 4, 4.8 points a game, 3.3 rebounds. He was shooting 30.8% from the field, 6.7% from three. Yeah. But he caught fire and he got going. I think he had, I think it was 13 of his 16 points for the game in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I think he credits Scott Roth for that because he's, he's doing two things. He's pushing him hard yeah. and being his biggest critic but also being his biggest supporter to know that he's mm-hmm. not, I guess, on the chopping block. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Scott kind of seems to be that kind of a coach mm-hmm. that will have you back. And, and that's someone that you want to play for, right? As an import, I think he had no choice but to be big this, sure. this round. Yeah. And like you said, he was a big reason that they kind of busted that lead open a little bit on Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to have to prove that over the next couple of weeks as well. He's going to have to keep doing that. And if anything, he's going to have to build on it. Because I think if Tassie want to be a legit contender, they're going to have to have or have to get a lot out of him. Sure. Or they're going to have to move on pretty quickly and find someone that's going to bring a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. He's another import that kind of saved his job over this weekend, I think. <laughs> Just like we spoke about yeah. Dusty Hannah's last yeah. week. And unfortunately for him, he didn't get to back it no, up because no, the 36's <laughs> games got, got wiped. Yep. But speaking of imports, do Melbourne United need to add something to this group? Now, I put a, a little caveat on it that... So obviously, for this game against the Jack Jumpers, they were missing Jack White, Ariel Hackporty. So they're two of their, their front court and they're two key players. But Dean Vickerman didn't mess around post-match saying that he needed more from other people. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't possibly ask for more from Joe Luala Chul. 26 points, 20 rebounds, a yep. couple of blocks. He was massive. And Chris Golding, as we said last week, I think I think I said he might have gone for 30. You said he might go for more than 30. He yep. didn't, more didn't than quite th- get there. He didn't quite <laughs> get there, but he had a big game. So he had 29. But the rest of the team combined for 30 points, 8 rebounds, 14 of 42 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. Obviously, Caleb Agata had a quiet game. They need him to step up. They're a bit different if White and Huck Horty are there, but... They've got two, two free import spots. Mm-hmm. Do, they, do they need to fill one? I don't know. This has been a tough one with Melbourne because, again, on paper, and that's not where you win basketball mm-hmm. games on paper, but on paper, they are just ridiculously stacked. I think seeing Goulding come out and hit some shots is, is probably a bit of a warning sign for the rest of the league now that he's, he's found his shot again. We, we said he wasn't going to go over again, <laughs> right? Um, you bring in White, you bring in Huck Porty, that's two big energy guys for them. Um, I think Huck Porty's kind of been a little underrated. He's been sp- spoken about, but I think he's been a little underrated for them just in his energy and, and what he does, um, not necessarily on the stat sheet, but just the little things. Um, and then, you know, obviously Jack White speaks for himself. He does all that sort of stuff, gets after it. Um, it's a tough one. I, I don't know if you would bring another import in. Um, it's not an obvious type of player that they need. No. Like there's not a, it's not necessarily an area where I think they, they, are, they are lacking in. Um, maybe it's just the fact that too many guys had a down, down game on, yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, and look, I think Shea probably needs to lift his game a bit sure. as, as their point guard yeah. and their, their leader on the floor. I think um, you know, Dean's obviously asking a lot for him, um, but he's a good enough player that he can do that. So I think he probably needs to lift his game a little bit. Um, but, yeah, th- there's not an obvious spot where you'd be like, yeah, look, they need this. Um, so it, it's a tough one for them. We'll keep an eye on it because they're, they're still going okay. They're still 8-4 and, and and I think we all still see oh, them yeah. as a championship championship threat. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much the Illawarra Hawks right now. Um, again, if we look at them on paper, it's a hell of a talented squad, but yeah. it's just not clicking for them right now. Um, that, game, that loss they had on last Wednesday to the Breakers was... I think embarrassing the way that they, they played. Mm-hmm. They played better on Monday night, but they still lost to the Phoenix, and and they had they they were in a winning position with you know 30, oh. 30 seconds to go, and and they found a way to to lose it. Um, I know Brian Gorgian keeps talking about the fact that they're getting the wrong end of the green mm-hmm. with the officials. 
I think the problems go a little bit deeper than that, and maybe that's not where we should be focusing. I'm not sure what, what your thoughts are. Yeah, look, they, they're struggling. They're in a, a major rut right now, and it's odd to see a Gorgian team like this. Um, you know, watching that first game against the Breakers, their defence was just non-existent. Yep. You know, they, they let the Breakers do whatever they wanted. They could move the ball, they penetrated when they wanted. Against a Breakers team who you put a bit of pressure on right now and they'll fold, mm. right? But they let them feel good about themselves, get up and about, and then all of a sudden it, it's tough to fight back, right? I don't think they, I don't think Gorge probably needs to be going at the refs. Mm. Obviously, he needs to stay on them because that's what you need to do as a coach, have your teams back. But I think it runs a bit deeper than that. And I think just their defense in general, it doesn't look like they're all buying in. The last play that he was unhappy with where Red and Mays fouled oh. Munford for taking the three. They'd almost forced a turnover. They'd almost they done did. well to, to almost force Creek to turn it over, but Munford yeah. was able to, to salvage it. There was no doubt about it being, oh, be, be, being a foul. Like, like you said, it, it's, <laughs> the ref didn't get that call wrong. That, no. was a, that, was a, that was a pretty clear foul. It was. It was. And, um, I mean, Gorge was always going to appeal it and look yeah. – to review it, but... It cost him a timeout that could have advanced the ball too. It did, but Mumford missed the free throw anyway. They wouldn't have been out of advance it. Interesting, Mumford said afterwards that he wasn't going to miss it until Creek, Creek came up. And, yeah, yeah. As soon as Creek walked up, I went, I bet he's telling <laughs> yeah. him. And that's a smart play, but you've got to make sure that you miss it properly and hit yeah. the ring. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's almost harder to do than actually making it the is, free throw. Um, We've it, seen a lot of screw-ups oh, from trying that, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But look... Rathen Mays was just in a, in a bad spot. He, he, yeah. It's one of those ones where you get a hand up. If he makes it over you, it's out of a, a fumble play, you know, picks it up off the floor, makes a tough shot. You prefer to you lose, lose to that than that. to lose by the foul line, don't you? You do, you do. Because a foul line is just bunnies, especially the, the way that game was going, that, that was the Hawks game. They, they needed that. They did. For their confidence, I think the defence lifted a little bit. Still not where it needs to be, especially for a Gorge and coach team. But that, that's one that they needed. And a very shorthanded Phoenix team. Well, for the Phoenix, it was a bonus win. They yeah. didn't have the coach, yeah. Simon Mitchell. They didn't have the captain, Kyle Adnam. They didn't have Cam Glidden. They didn't have Ruben Tarangi. Yeah. Um, they didn't have Dane Pino as well. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was a bonus win for them. Oh, it definitely was. Definitely was. They went in and pinched one. And that's, oh. you know, you see Judd, who's been waiting 16 years to get, <laughs> to get yeah. a coaching job. He, uh you know, he probably pulled two very tough games to, uh, mm. to coach his first couple of games. Absolutely. But he's done well to go in and steal one um, you know, at, at, in Wollongong. And just, just finally, Perth Wildcats found a way to, to just, just keep winning. I mean, they, they were down a lot early against, against the Phoenix, but um, they had different guys step up. Luke Travers, I spoke to him during the week last week, and he said that he's, his shot's been looking good in practice, and he yeah. said it was only a matter of time before it would start falling in a game. And it did. He, he knocked down four, four of six from, from three. Um, they just dominated that game after, after quarter time and mm-hmm. sends a message of what that team's still, still capable of because they probably still didn't play their best. I mean, no, obviously didn't have Hodgson. Blanford, I think, didn't score. No, for, yep. um, so still win 101 to 79. That's a, that was a big win. Well, that's it. You, you know, you've got, again, another team on paper that's really good, really good mm-hmm. top to bottom. Um, and, you know, with the, with the Cats winning culture, they just know how to win games. So, um, you know, Bryce, again, 21, under his season average. So that's technically a down game for yeah. him. I'd oh, love, I'd oh, love to have a 21-point down <laughs> game. That'd be fantastic. I think Big Law scored in six single digits well, too. From I think he had two points with maybe the fourth quarter to go. Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you had a said, you know, Vic Law, only a handful of points, Toddy Blanchfield doesn't play, you don't have Hodgson out there, mm. And Majuk's going to hit his second three, um, <laughs> and you know they beat a really good Melbourne uh, Southeast Melbourne team by you know twenty odd points. Mm. That's that's a heck of a win. Mm-hmm. That's a heck of a win. And you're right, LT was was awesome. He, he looked like he was shooting the ball with confidence. He did. Um, you know they went into a timeout after he gave up a shot early. He did once he was told don't do don't do that don't again. Don't do it. He didn't well, do that's it. Again. it. Well, that's it. And they went into a Phoenix timeout, and you heard Creaky saying. He needs to make three before we yep. budge on him. Yep. He certainly proved them he wrong, did. and he hit four of them. So, <laughs> which was which was good. But the thing I really liked was he was still aggressive going at Chi, yep. right? Absolutely going to his body, drawing fouls on him. Lots of people 
aren't going to want to do that because of his size. Mm. So I think I think LT played an awesome game for them. All right, so there, a lot happened last, last round, Cody. And believe it or not, Damo has come through with his best defensive player, player votes. Yep. Interesting votes for the round as well. So he, he went the three votes for this round, Finn Delaney from the Breakers. Yep. Probably wouldn't have been my, my first choice, but mm-hmm. obviously Damo knows better than us. Look yep. at all of his best defensive yep, trophies exactly. that he has. <laughs> Joe Luala Chul. I don't think too many arguments no. from that. And Matty Kenyon. There is his votes for, for round 10. Mm-hmm. And Taj McCall still leading from the Kench Taipans on his leaderboard. I don't think too many arguments from that, even though the Taipans have still only played seven, seven games. games. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Uh, Taj is... He's, He's a really fun defender to watch. Mm. Just he's so active. He's he's digging. He's helping. He's helping his team. That doesn't surprise me that with half the games of every other team, basically, <laughs> that yeah. he's still leading that leaderboard. But you're right. Damo knows best on the defensive end, so uh, we, we're not going to uh, budge on any of those. And you're probably relieved that you don't have to give those votes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like I said, big shoes to fill. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that uh, he, he's come through there. What you do have to do, though, is decide the winner of the Galen as the best team man for what we saw in round 10. So the guy who didn't necessarily put up the biggest numbers but had the biggest influence on helping his team team win. So feel free to pick one that I've nominated or if somebody else jumped out. Michael Frazier, to me, the Wildcats look a much more balanced team. He's leading them in rebounds mm-hmm. so far this, this season. He's not scoring probably as much as he might have thought or we might have thought, but he's doing a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. The captain, Jesse Waxhoff's doing, okay. doing a lot to help them win as well. Jesse being Jesse. <laughs> um, the man we just spoke about, Taj McCall, had a big impact for the Taipans, but potentially an even bigger impact energy-wise. As we talked about him last week, Keanu Pinder, mm-hmm. if we're talking about energy, no one with more energy than Jack McVeigh for yep. the Jack Jumpers. Also, Ryan Brokoff, he's doing a lot of things outside of shooting right now for the, for the Phoenix. Isaiah Liafa had to step up as well with the guys that... The Phoenix were missing. Does one of those jump out? Uh, lots of those jump out, mm. actually, to be honest with you. It's a, it, it's a tough one this week. Um, you're right. Frazier's actually been really good for the Cats. Mm. You know, uh, another guy that started the year, probably wasn't too high on him, but he's just doing a lot of the little things. Um, like you said, he, he's probably not scoring as much as he would like to, mm. but he doesn't have to in that team. Sure. You know, he, he needs to be that, that kind of a glue guy. Jesse, obviously, you know, doing Jesse Wagstaff things. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a given. Uh, McCall, same thing. They, they play how he plays. Yep. Um, and, and Keanu is, is fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two are um, just massive as to, to where Cairns uh, end up finishing. And, again, an undermanned team. Mm-hmm. I think those two need to, need to kick with the energy. Jack McVeigh, <laughs> the Energizer Bunny. He was he was huge. He had a massive massive shot, um, but was aggressive and got some big boards in both their wins. Yeah, big time. Um, Rowdy or Ryan Brockoff, yep. huge. He he was massive for them in, in that game against the Hawks. Um, you know, not lighting the scoreboard up yet like everyone thought he would, but sixteen boards, mm-hmm. got on the floor, was was out hustling a lot of the Hawks guys. Um, and Leafa is just again, he's just one of those glue guys that is really good. Is really good for the Phoenix. I think he he is a very underrated piece to their team. Um, but I think I'd have to go with Brockoff this week mm. just because of you know what what he's doing away from what everyone expects. Sure. Um, you know, I think he was three for eleven. I think we said. I think so. yeah. um, not Ryan Brockoff numbers at all, mm. and he hasn't quite shown us what he can do yet, yeah. um, which I know would be frustrating for him. Mm. Um, very much a confidence guy. Once he sees a few go through, it's going to be pretty dangerous for the league. But 16 boards, mm-hmm. diving on the floor, like I said, out hustling. Um, I think he was a big reason why the Phoenix stayed in that game um, against the Hawks and, and got a much-needed win. Absolutely. So there we go. Winner of the Galen Award for this week, Ryan Brokoff. Now, Cody, when we come back, we're going to catch up with your old coach and we're looking forward to chatting with Rob Beveridge. Can't wait. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle and once again joined by Rob Beveridge, the master coach, and excited to have him on board, but 
Also excited to have him catch up with my new co-host, and you'll be pleased to know, Bevo, we're not sitting in a car this time. Yeah, well, um, I, I know you've done it before. Since sat in the car with Damo holding hands and listening to music together in a park, and I think a lot, lot, lot of people were very suspicious mm. of, uh, of you two guys. So that's good to hear. Yeah, we did have some strange, strange looks from people walking their dogs past past <laughs> us. But before I let you catch up with Cody Bevo, less than twenty four hours after that last chat, it was revealed you'd be the new Boomers coach and. You didn't tell us. You kept it a secret. Yeah, yeah. No, I had, I had to keep it pretty quiet. Um, yeah, because uh, I actually spoke to. Well, VA approached me uh, back in October uh, to to see if I could do the the um, the November window and the February window. Mm. But unfortunately, the November one was um, cancelled because of COVID. Uh, it was just really, really bad, and we I mean, couldn't get in, couldn't get out, all the quarantining. So that was cancelled. So I wasn't too sure what was going to happen with the February window. But uh, anyway, I got the phone call and, uh, you know, Gorge was unavailable. He always said he was probably going to be unavailable for the, what, because of NBL commitments. And, uh, yeah, so a uh, very pleasant surprise to, to have, have that call and, uh, yeah, be appointed uh, you know, head coach of Boomers, which has always been a lifetime, lifetime goal of mine. But uh, yeah, you take it how it comes, so I'm pr- pretty excited about it. Bevo, you said that uh, it was a bit of a surprise. Did you have any idea that they'd give you the call-up? Uh, no. No, I, I, I honestly um, thought that you know, my, my days with national program were, were over. Um, you know, just like when I left Illawarra, I thought my career was over. That, yeah. that, that was it. You know, um, you know pretty, as, as uh, we all know, it was a pretty nasty uh, couple of years uh, at Illawarra in the end. And, yeah. you know, I didn't want anything to do with basketball after that or bad experiences. And uh, so I, I basically moved on. And, uh, you know, I hadn't had anything to do with Basketball Australia. Uh, for for a bit, but then I did the the, the World Junior Games, which sort of revitalised myself and and actually, uh, I, I guess it, it it helped me get confidence back. You know, you, you know after the Illawarra experience, I lacked a lot of confidence really. Yeah. You know, after being a career coach and you know the, the stuff you went through, but uh, I guess it put me in a situation at the World Junior Games that I, I could coach. Uh, you know, we won a bronze medal. We were uh, one point off making the gold medal game and stuff like that. And you know, we could have had a, a shot at it, but that gave me the the energy, the enthusiasm to to uh, to get back in, in a coaching. So I did really well at the uni games, and uh, I, I guess they were looking for a coach that does have international experience, uh, tournament play in particular, uh, somebody that can put a team together in a short period of time. So I guess I ticked those, ticked those boxes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and look, you know, if you if you look around, you, you're certainly one of the, uh, you know, the, the best coaches going around that, that isn't currently um, in a coaching job. So I think that uh, you were probably the, the obvious choice, um, certainly if I was picking it. Um, well, speaking of that, Bevo, did you consider giving Cody a call to be part of the team? <laughs> it was, it's been a really interesting process. Um, because I've been away from it, uh, Basketball Australia, they've got what they call their depth charts. You know, so they've got them, you know, like, I don't know if you want to call it, a, it's not listed as an A-class player, but you got your you NBA, you mm-hmm. know, players, you've got all of that, and then you've got all your NBL players and all your centre of excellence players and, you know, your under-17s, 19s and stuff like that. So so that that's sort of how the team did come about um, from from that, you know, the, the, all the players that there, they, when there were no NBL players available, that's when they said, well, we want to blood these younger ones and, uh, you know, get get some of the other more experienced players that are playing in Europe. But uh, I'd, I'd love to have Cody on the team because he knows <laughs> the system, he knows how to play. Uh, but uh, you know, he, he's gone on and um, you know he's moved on with his, his basketball life now. It's interesting. I we I spoke about it with Cody last week. If he would accept the offer, if you called him, and I've also spoken to Adam Gibson. Did you consider one of those older type players or? Given you had Nick Kay and you've got sort of Craig Moller and these experienced guys, Angus Brandt, was it sort of, did you consider anyone that wasn't, I guess, currently playing to be that experienced? Pretty much the answer is the, the no. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they they had a list. So, so there's so much behind the scenes. So they had a list of players. But th- those players are on the list had to be registered uh, to get visas and mm-hmm. um you know, all these clearances uh, with the Japanese government. Sure. And that had to be done 
a while ago. And it was after the list was sent through, that's when you hear all people go, what about this person? What about that person? <laughs> and you go on, that would be brilliant, but it's too late. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. You know, there's the, you know, they, these are things you sort of learn that, uh, you know, you've got to have all the fever registration. You need to, you know, over in Japan, for example, it's been really tough because uh, they're in complete lockdown. You, know, not, you can't get in the country. Mm. Uh, so we've had to apply for visas, special visas, uh, to, to, uh, to get in Japan, and uh, we're going through that process at the moment. Uh, so it's, it's, been, it's been pretty, uh, pretty, pretty tough to try and get who we want and, and things like that. There's a lot of exciting players on the squad, but, but probably the most exciting thing for me is... Seeing you reunite with with SD, I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Yeah, well, that that I was super excited about that. Oh, but is that not unfortunately, happening now? SD had to uh, step down. Oh wow! Uh, I didn't know. No. Yep, yep. So officially, he stepped down, but unofficially, he's going to do whatever he can to to help. Mm. Uh, you know, it was a no-brainer when they appointed. I mean, they'd already appointed Mike Kelly and uh, Robbie McKinlay. But I said, look, you know, I really need to have um, SD, uh, who's worked with me forever, uh, knows the system, lives in Japan, knows the Japanese better than anyone. So they just j- jumped at it and said, yeah, definitely want to do that. Uh, but the, the problem we're having is that because we're flying in from Australia, which is classified as a, a hot zone according to Japan, and the same with Chinese Taipei, that when we go, when the Australian players, Australian people in Japan, so for example, Nick Kay, Angus Brandt, and Ruth Bake and SD, when they come and join us, once um, they've joined us, they're classified as, well, I guess, contaminated. <laughs> That's not the word that they use, but they have to then quarantine. So originally they said that uh, they had to quarantine for 14 days after the game, which straight then, I mean, that, that created a whole lot of turmoil. Uh, so now they've cut it back to six days. But because they're going to be you know, with the, the Australian team for, say, eight or nine days, they then have to quarantine for six days afterwards, mm-hmm. which will be that, which means they miss more games. Sure. So SD... He just couldn't do it. You know, his, his club um, just said, no, nah, we we're happy for you to do the games. But if he did the six days quarantine, he could miss three, four, five games as the head coach. Because, um, yeah, they, they, they play, you know, sometimes three three games a week. Yeah. So he, he had to step down. And uh, so, and it's still in doubt with the other three. Uh, we're still, you know, we, that's why we've announced a squad of uh, 16 people because we're still to this very day going through with the clubs and with the federation and with fever and uh, just trying to get those plays available. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question. Um, obviously, sorry to hear that about SD, mate. I know uh, how close you guys are, and that would have uh, that would have been awesome to see you guys uh, coaching together again. And I'm sure you would have uh, loved having him there with you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, but look, you've got a squad of 16, like you said. Are you planning on cutting that down at all or is that what you're just going to roll with? Obviously, depends on what happens yeah. with, with those guys yeah. already there. Yeah, so, so tonight we've, uh, got, we've got a staff meeting tonight um, after I get off this call um, and uh, that's what we will discuss. So we still are waiting upon uh, Japan to say, yep, we can release these players and things like that. So it's a bit of a waiting game and I think we'll probably give it a deadline till maybe Friday. Um, so we've registered all those players that we've, we've listed, so we can choose any of them now because they you know, we're getting all their visas and flights and what have you. So really, um, you know, we'll go with 12, but we'll have some reserves there because we've also got to take in consideration that um, you know there could be COVID between now and then. Right. You know, right. So if somebody gets COVID, well, that rules them out straight away, and then uh, you know if somebody gets injured. You know, so, for example, Kyle Zunik, who's in the, the, the squad, uh, he rolled his ankle uh, a week and a half ago. Man, I mean, he's progressing very well, but you know, we still have to get medical clearances for, for people like him. So that's, you know, I'm not trying to beat around the bush, but you know, we're, we're hoping that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, in my mind, I've got my 12 that I, I want to take, yeah. uh, but I may not be able to get them. So I've got to look at the others. Um, so... It's a yeah, it's an interesting situation. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough, and the world is obviously a mess right now. So uh, we've just got to roll with the punches, I guess. Um, yeah, exactly. Yep. 
Was it was it tough to get guys like Kyle um, and Mike Kelly who are in the NBL right now um, going through what is a chaotic season over here as well? Was it tough to get those guys on board? Uh, well, Basketball Australia contacted all of the clubs and said, and, uh, said okay, well, this is the situation. So technically, the NBL is meant to stop for the fever window. Yeah. You know, that, so we, we could have actually you know, forced all the NBL players to play. But, you know, there was just collaboration between VA and the NBL and, you know, the amount of games that would be postponed due to COVID and things like that. But they're so far behind with catch-up that really Basketball Australia didn't want to affect the, the running of the NBL, which I think has been a pretty good uh, thing that they've done. So so then it was going, okay, what, what's, what's the plan? And the plan was, okay, we, let's identify... You know, people that have been part of the Basketball Australia pathway represent, you know, the 17s, 19s, World Uni Games and stuff like that. So then it was uh, out to all the NBL clubs to, to find out, okay, well, you know, who, who, where are they? And uh, that's why the majority of the players are development players. One player I want to get your thoughts on quickly, and then, then I want to talk, we'll move on and talk about some other things with Cody, with you, Bevo. Um, Emmett Nah. You gave yep. him his start in the NBL. I mean, he, he's proven he can be a good NBL point yep. guard. I mean, you've got him in this squad. Are you are you surprised he's not part of the Hawks' rotation right now? Yeah, if you look at the Hawks, they're, they're so deep with their imports in the guards. And, and that's that's probably one of the, the biggest things is that, you know, the way Gorge is running the team, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, Cleveland and Harvey and uh, Ruth and Mays, they're, they're all guards. And they've got Jessup as well. So they've got like four of their imports uh, are actually guards. So that makes it really, really hard for Nah. You know, and also Isaac White and, you know, whoever else. It's, yeah. it's very different from the play. But, you know, I, I love him. You know, I had him, you know, with us for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, he, he was tremendous. You know, he um, fitted in so well that, you know, he's one of the best uh um, on-ball plays that I've coached his ability to find plays and he's, uh, doesn't get flustered, uh, stuff like that. So I, I spoke to Gorgian about, you know, he, he's the only one that's really contracted in, in the in the team. All the rest of the DPs are all mm-hmm. playing in, you know, overseas. So you know, I said to, said to Gorgian, well, he's not really playing and uh, I need to have somebody that's actually played you know, in my system in the past because we've only got two days prep. Mm. We've got a total of four sessions and, uh, yeah, two days. That's it. So that's why I'm trying to, you know, say, well, at least I know where I've got a, a point guard like Emmett that is so smart and uh, he'll be able to run a team for me in such a short period of time. Absolutely. Um, what about what about Cody? Um, I remember sitting – I talked about this with Cody last week. I remember sitting in your – in your in your office when you were a Wildcats coach before Cody came back from college and yep. you were disappointed that you didn't get the all clear from from above to to bring him bring him yep. bring him in and the Kings obviously were able to, to bring him in. Um, can you just talk about the journey with with both Cody and and the Ellis family and and what it's like to catch up with him again because I don't think you've seen him for a little while. Yeah, no, it has been it's been a long, long time and I mean Cody's always been you know one of my uh, you know, favourite players and. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I've been in Perth for, for a long period of time and, you know, the Ellis family, uh, uh, you know, they are Perth basketball and, you know, developed a great relationship with the majority of the Ellis family, you know, with Mike and you know, his mum, Robin, and, you know, Glenn, and, you know, we used to hang out a bit. So developed a real good relationship and, uh, you know, I, I wanted Cody to come back and, uh, you know, the Perth and when I was there to, you know, how good it would have been to have have Cody there in Perth, but that just didn't happen. But, you know, I move on and I had the opportunity to, to bring him into Illawarra. So, um, you know, really it was fantastic. Cause, uh, you know, I know Cody's there listening and stuff like that, but, you know, he's just, just a tremendous human being. You know, one, one of the, the best uh, people that I've ever coached. And, uh, you know, and it was the stuff that Cody and I had to go through was, um, you know, I was, you know, I know Cody was devastated, but, you know, I was, I was devastated that, you know, I was perceived to be part of it. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was the worst basketball experience I've ever been in that, uh, you know, I've always been in control as the head coach that, you know, I'm the decision maker, I'm the recruiter, you know, I'm the, the person that gets my people in and that's why I've had success is because, you know, we've got a, you know, pretty much a no dickhead policy and, you know, we get, Good people that work hard and got talent, and that that's that's exactly what you know. Heading Cody and and uh, unfortunately, 
you know, we, we had um, management that was completely interfering. You know, that's the, the reality of it. And it's one of those things I don't care anymore. You know, it was like I was almost silenced. You know, you can't say anything, whatever else. But it's one of those things where I don't really care too much anymore because I doubt I'll ever coach in the NBL again. And uh, for, for what Cody had to go through was was, was just, uh, you know, gut-wrenching for, for obviously Cody and his family and, and uh, Lauren. But, uh, you know, to be part, to be perceived to be part of uh, what happened was um, really, uh, you know, it was just so bad. Uh, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, that, I think when uh, all the stuff went down with Cody, you know, I reflect and I look at that was probably the start of the end of my career. Uh, in the NBL because I fought it. You know, I fought the management, I fought the owners and I was made out to be the bad guy and the troublemaker and I think that was probably a perception that was given from, from that management at the time or the ownership and management was that I was difficult to work with because I'd stuck up for my players. You know, and I, I refused to do some of the things that they told me to do and uh, I'd never regret that but, you know, I, I look back in, you're all expert in hindsight and, uh, you know, it, it was, um, you know, I'd do the same thing again. You know, um, pro- you know, I should have done it a lot earlier than uh, than what I did. Well, let me start off by saying, Bevo, and thank you for, I guess, prolonging what my NBL career was. Because uh, you know, after Sydney, it was it was looking pretty pretty grim there for me for a while, and it wasn't till geez, a week before preseason, really, or the weekend before preseason started that. We'd had that conversation, and that uh, that you wanted to, to get me on board, and again, kind of just relit that flame for me, and and coming in and playing for you for that for that couple of years was um was a lot of fun, you know. Obviously, with what went down, was was certainly not, but uh, you know, to play under you and with the squads we had, um, it, it really ignited my love for basketball um, again, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be grateful forever for that. Um, you know, from you. Um, but I think it, it, it's one of those things that people on the outside don't really understand when management steps in. Um, and you see it on a lot of the smaller teams. It's, it doesn't really happen on the, hard to say, because I haven't really been part of them, but uh, on those bigger scale teams like, like your Melbournes, I'm sure, you know, guys like Dean kind of have has his uh, has his role and and he, he does kind of what he wants um, the the management kind of sticks out of it and you know that that's what I'd imagine why you hire a head coach for is is to do that exact job and um, you know when, when you get management sticking their nose into things um, it, it's never a good good thing yeah and uh, it, it was you know I said I've been away from the NBL and uh, and it gave me an opportunity to to really sort of get back and reflect about what what is successful and what isn't successful and that that helped with me writing a book with uh you know birdie dr mm. stephen bird and uh that that was one of the the chapters that i actually specifically wrote about was cultures and you know being involved with the perth wildcats for a period of time where we had a a, a very good culture of yeah, um you know the, the philosophy of being athlete-centered coach-driven and minister supported so we had really good athletes and we put an infrastructure in place for the, the, the players to succeed. And then we just had the management uh, support us with the finances and the resources and, you know, whatever we needed. And, and that, I think that's that model works and I've been involved in that. But then when you look at Illawarra where it was no longer about the athlete, it was almost a case of the management treated the team like a PlayStation, like it was, you know, two, you know, 2K, whatever, you know, just playing around with, um, you know, the players and the players' lives and the coaches and the staff. And uh, it was almost like a game and uh, it just doesn't work that way. And that's why we probably, you know, we started off well, you know, semi-final, grand final, and then all of a sudden things all change uh, where management want to have more of a say in everything and uh, lost their trust in me as the coach. Uh, You know, I think that was probably one of the first things because, uh, you know, we started the season poorly and they just took over and said, well, no, nah, this is what's going on. This is what we're doing. And it just proves that it doesn't work. And it became really a real toxic environment, a really, really tough situation. So I think that, you know, what I've learned is uh, it reinforced to me about what the successful teams do is that they've got great staff. They're supported by the, the ownership and, 
Now, it's not like a, a kid in a candy store, but they allow the coaches to be able to say, hey, we need to do this, this, and this, and they're supported. Yep. And unfortunately, that just didn't happen. No, definitely didn't. Definitely didn't. And, yeah, look, looking back, it's certainly very frustrating. You know, like you said, those first two seasons were, were super successful and, um, you know, we were the talk of the league for, for most of those two seasons, really. And third season, we didn't obviously start off the way we probably should have, but, you know, that's, that's kind of basketball and that's, that's what happens. And uh, like I said to Chris last week on the podcast, um, there was no one really to blame for that. And yeah, no. We, I mean, we start we started on the road. I think the first five yeah. games yeah. was something on the road, and you know, I think we had Perth, we had Cairns, and I can't remember the other one. But you know, we, we it was a tough start. But that all of a sudden it was oh well, you know, we they've come in and say, well, this is what we're doing, and we're going, oh jeez, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was never going to work, and and it didn't. Um, I, I, no, pre- no. I, pre- I appreciate you opening up about that, Bevo. Um, now, I know you've got that boomers meeting very shortly. I want to get your thoughts on one more thing. 400 games yep. this Saturday for Jesse Wagstaff. Yep. I remember when he, when he first rocked in in his, in his board shorts that first, first day in Perth when he, when he turned up. I mean, it's amazing to think that was 13 years ago now. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, again, and just another great person. You know, like I've been blessed to, to have coached... Uh, you know, some wonderful people in my career and, uh, you know, I mean, I've known you know, Jesse, you know, since he was a, a very small kid. I think everybody knows the story about his mum being my primary school That's teacher right. and, yeah. you know, his dad was my woodwork teacher in year seven and, you know, so I've, I've known the Wagstaff family forever and, uh, you know, know his older sister and, you know, like, it, it, it was amazing and then, uh, you know, after he came out of college and we managed to get him to Perth and it's like, here he is 13 years later and, uh, you know, exceptionally smart player. You know, he, he's one of the smartest on and off the court that I, I've ever coached. You know, he's a, he's a rocket scientist. You know, and, but he's just taken care of himself and he's evolved as a player. Uh, no nonsense about him. You know, great guy. I mean, they made him the captain of the team. I think mean, that's just wonderful recognition as well. And, you know, 400 games is amazing. It really is. And, uh, you know, who, who knows how many more he's got in him. But, uh you know, he just provides, he's steady, he's, got, you know, he's so good for the club and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to, to say that he was his coach and also a friend. No, fantastic, Bevo. Well said and really appreciate you taking your time out for us again. It was great to hear you catch up with Cody and, and for you to both share that story. We'll, we'll do it again in about a month's time, Bevo, and by then you would have coached in Japan and you might either be in New Zealand or about to head to, to New Zealand. So we, we look forward to that and before that, good luck over in Japan. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, wonderful catching up with you guys always. Good luck, Bebo. Okay. Back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, just finished with Bevo, and Cody, we've got our first, first call in for the show, your second show, so this doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't always happen that we get a 399-game NBL captain either. Jesse, well, what are you doing right now? Oh, well, I'm just in lovely Hobart, just uh, sitting in our lounge room that is now home, well, it has been home for the last month, so I thought, why not? Why not call in and say hi? <laughs> um, now, Cody's talked about how he used to think Sean was his most annoying opponent, but he thinks you probably took took the cake by the end. Um, <laughs> are you are you happy with that that honour? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure that's a compliment, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll take it. I, my uh, often my only advantage is to try to be annoying. I'm not athletic, so I figure my one chance at uh, at trying to win is to often just be annoying as possible. So. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You always look like an idiot, but uh, hopefully it works. Well, I mean, 400 games in the league, mate. I think it's worked pretty well for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I've, I've hung around long enough. You famously don't like the spotlight, Jesse. What's it like this week knowing that a lot of people are going to want to talk to you ahead of game 400? Yeah, it's probably a bit too many uh, media <laughs> commitments than I like. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm happy to take it as long as it's not every week. Um, yeah, I can deal with it. It's not that I hate it. Um, yeah, just 
rather not do it, I guess. <laughs> um, we won't keep you too long, Jesse, because, well, to be honest, we need to wrap up the show at the same time because Bevo took up a lot of time. But... Yeah, as I said, that's, that's very unlike <laughs> Bevo. Um, he normally doesn't like talking, but yeah. uh, he must have. My, my memories stretch back to 13 years ago, Jesse, when I, you just arrived in Perth for the first time and I'd, I'd arranged to catch up with you because to, to, I was working for the club at that time and I caught up with you for the first time and it's been a, a fascinating 13 years. So I made you do a lot of things that you probably didn't want to do. We did a radio show for a year where I was your chauffeur because that was the only way you would agree to do it. I made you pose for, for a photo shoot on your, on your motorbike. I made... Made you pose for a photo shoot with Greg where you were dressed up as Dumb and Dumber. Um, I've seen you become... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to interrupt you there because you, you weren't always my um, my chauffeur. There were times when, you know, actually I'm still paying off the petrol given the <laughs> studio was um, the studio was down in North Margaret River. So, um, so I'm still paying off the fuel. So just to correct you there. Um, yeah, there was... <laughs> <laughs> there was that Dumb and Dumber photo shoot, which I still love. We had a had a photographer come to your your apartment there on on Scarborough Beach when you're in a moon boot. Um, I've seen you become a dad. I, we I saw you at the Hopman Cup when your sister was in town. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of a lot of, you... a lot of things over the 13 years, Jesse. It's been been quite a journey. I hope you weren't there when when I became a dad, mind you. No, I, I hope <laughs> okay. not. I, I hope okay. in the corner somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I hope say, we're close. We're not that close. But I mean. You won't like me saying this, Jesse, but the thing I love about you is that you haven't changed. I mean, you still are the same person now as you were when you first arrived and before you were a, a six-time championship winner and a, and a captain. And, and these accolades are like, a, like something that don't really matter to you because you just, you just like waking up, playing basketball, and you'd be happy if no one recognised you down the street. No, look, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not happy. I think I'm, I'm proud of them, but... Um... You know, I think basketball is, is one part of your life, I guess. Um, and there's, you know, lots of other parts that I'm, I'm equally happily with. Um, basketball is, is fun and it's great, but at the end of the day, it's also just a job. So, um, yeah, I'm happy doing other things too, I guess. What are your memories of playing against Cody? <laughs> oh, God. Winning lots yeah. of wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, always tough. Um, we, we had some battles at, at Wollongong. Um, yeah, always tough. Always can stretch the floor, um, versatile, uh, and played hard. So, yeah, he's, he's still doing that in the NBA one for for Warwick. So, yeah, it's just kind of Cody for you, I guess. Now I know I, I put some words into Cody's mouth before. On an, on another note, he had you in his team for the 40th anniversary of the of the Wildcats. <laughs> I have no doubt that you didn't have yourself in that team. Um, how awkward would have you felt if you were named in that team? Even though a lot of people feel like you. You belonged. Oh, I, I, kind of easy either way. Um, you know, I think you know personally, I wouldn't have put me in the team, so I'm not exactly um, hurt by it. Or <laughs> I think I think a lot of other people are making a bigger deal of it than um, yeah than it needs to be. I, I, I don't see my a spot for myself on that team. So um, yeah, it's it's, it's a non-event for me personally. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a hell of a team. Put it that way. Well, before I let you go, um, a lot of teammates of yours on that team as well, with with Sean, with Damo, with with Nick Kay, with Kevin Lish. Um, that goes to show that you've you've been part of a pretty pretty special era at the club. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's been a great thirteen years. Um, it's just kind of yeah, the the type of calibre that I've played alongside with, and and many guys that didn't even make the team as well. Um, you know, you I guess you go look like a James Ennis or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's Casey Prather. I mean, I could I could go through a lot. Um, guys that are exceptionally talented and please don't forget didn't make. Yeah, oh, the the danger is when you start naming people, you always <laughs> leave someone out. So I could I could be here all day, yep. um, and you're always going to leave someone out. But yeah, it's, I've I've played alongside some exceptionally talented um, individuals. All right, Jesse, we better let you go. But thanks for the ring in, and good luck on Saturday. Pleasure. Night. Good, good luck Saturday Pleasure. night. Congrats on <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, Cody, that was it was fun to have a, a call into the to the show. Won't happen every week, but it's not every week that somebody's about to play four hundred games either. No, not at all, not at all. And uh, 
just to clear the air. He's, he was annoying and so was Sean. Like I said, I might have put those words <laughs> into your mouth. <laughs> but I, I think everyone at the Cats has been annoying because just it, it was so tough to beat them mm. and uh, they're the reason I don't have a championship ring. So. Unfortunately, he, and he's got six of them. Exactly. Share, mate. Come on. <laughs> oh, could be seven. You, you never, never know. Yep. Um, round 11 in the NBL, Cody. A lot to look forward to. Let's get straight into it. Thursday night, really looking forward to this one. Be interesting who the South East Melbourne Phoenix have available, first of all. But they're up against a Sydney Kings team that's playing pretty well also. Yeah, a tough one. Um, again, it, it's going to depend on who Phoenix have available. You know, hopefully it's more players than less. But mm. uh, Sydney's been good, but they've been really good and then well, really they, average. Yeah, they weren't so then, much against the track jumpers, were they? No. So they, they've been a bit up and down. They need mm. to find some consistency. Um, with that one, I'd, I'd probably go with the Phoenix. How nervous doing these previews are you after last week when <laughs> some of the games we previewed never ended yeah, up happening? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shocking, shocking. And the fact that I probably went too far for the round. <laughs> Friday night... I think the Adelaide 36ers will be pretty desperate to, to make this game happen. They built some momentum. It was almost two weeks ago now when they beat Melbourne United, but they haven't played since. They head up to Brisbane to take on a Bullets team on a four-game losing streak. So this is a tough one to call too. Yeah, so as we've seen, teams that come out of their little COVID break have kind of come out pretty slow. Yes. And um, Brisbane have kind of played that way anyway. Yep. You know, there's there's something going on in Brizzy, I think. Um so that's again, it's, it's a flip of the coin. I think, I think CJ will have Adelaide up and going, and mm-hmm. I think Adelaide get that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised based on what we saw from them last up. Yep. Double header on Saturday. No excuses for the Aurora Hawks. They must bounce back, but it won't be easy. Taipans played well without Machado, without Jerick, without Jawai, without Kenny, uh, without Kuat Noy as well yep. against Brisbane last week, and I think at least a couple of those will be back for this game. So all the pressure in the world on on Gorgon and the Hawks. Oh, it really is. It really is. And it's it's a tough one. I think Gorge is obviously going to light a rocket up him, mm. but I feel like he's been doing that. He already has been. <laughs> yeah. More often than not so yeah. far this year. Cans look like they're just having fun playing. Yeah. You know, they're out there balling. forward. He's got them just, just hooping, yeah. you know, and, and that's what you got to do. Um, I think it'll be close to start, but then I think the Hawks will get that one. And they need to. Um, now this one, grand final rematch for the first time. So it's a Melbourne United team that's lost their last two. And you've got a Perth Wildcats team celebrating the 400th game of their captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this one I think the Cats will get up for. Mm-hmm. Purely because, again, Jesse's 400th, I think. With, with the culture of that club, I don't see how they, they couldn't get up and about for that game. Um, Melbourne, again, on the back of a bit of a skid though. So... Yeah. Dean's going to have them coming in pretty hot. Um, so that, that should be, that I think will be game of the round easily. Oh, absolutely. But I, I'm going to pick the Cats in that one. Mm. Sunday, another, another one that's tough to tip. So the Phoenix coming off their game on Thursday, yep. up against a fresh Jack Jumpers who have now won, won four straight. Yep, I think I have to go with Tassie mm. for a couple of reasons. They're the hot team right they now. Are. Um, and Phoenix, if they don't have people back, they're going to be knackered. I oh, think yeah. their whole starting five played 34-plus yeah, minutes the other night. Yep. If they're going to have to do that against the Kings, they're going to be knackered by Sunday. You know, I think the way Tassie plays, oh, you, they're, they're just going to run. You can't be tight against no, them. you can't. You can't. So I, I think Tassie gets that. This will be interesting based on the first games of the round as well, on yep. second up on Sunday, the Kings at home to the Bullets. I think the Kings, Kings get that one. Um, I'm, I'm finding it really hard to pick Brizzy right now. I feel like yeah. they don't really have an identity for the team. Mm. Um, again, really, really good players. Hopefully Sobes is back. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what he's done or um, the extent of... No, they've been very secretive about, about it. The extent of his injury. But, um, you know, guys like Jace Kadeen needs to step up. Franks needs to, to be good, mm. really good for them. Um, big tie needs to be big, yep. um, but I think I think the Kings end up with too much firepower there and run over them a little bit. And last up, the Cairns Taipans up against uh, New Zealand Breakers team who it's impossible to get a read on <laughs> them right now. Yeah, it really is, uh, but they'll be coming off a bit of a high. Um, still, I reckon, right in that wave of the, the Hawks win. 
I think. Um, Although they were pretty bad on Sunday against they, the Kings. They were. They were. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think, I think Cairns get that. Yep. Um, it, it's impossible to read New Zealand. It really <laughs> it is. is. It, it's, it's so tough. Um, but as long as Cairns keep doing what they're doing and just putting one foot in front of the other and, and having fun playing, um, I think they'll be there. There we go. Let's hope all those games happen, first of all, Cody. Yeah. Let's hope we don't have any more interruptions. Now, let's wrap up the show. Now, last week, you said that you, you hoped you had the freedom to say what you wanted to say and that Lauren wasn't listening. <laughs> Turned out she was listening. She was, yes. <laughs> have, you, have you had to now censor some of what you've had to say, knowing that she's going to be quickly t- tuning in? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. She actually laughed at me when, when she heard, <laughs> yeah. heard what I said, so... No, no, not at all. I'm not going to censor myself. And you've got, you've got some fans in Wollongong especially still. Does it, is it, does it warm your heart to know that you were such a special part of that town that the people that you had bonds with there are still, you know, your bigger supporters now? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I love Wollongong. I uh, always will. Yeah, just, just fell in love with the place, the community, you know, the fans. And, you know, like you said, there's, there's people there that still have my back no matter what, and, and I appreciate them dearly for it. All right, Cody, it's been a big show. Thanks to Rob Beveridge. Thanks for Jesse Wagstaff for calling in. Thanks to you, Cody, for all of your, your insights. Um, I'm Chris Pike. I'll wrap it up for this week. What are your final thoughts? What are you looking forward to this weekend, Cody? And looking ahead to next week, what would you like to hear from Adam Gibson about? Oh, it'd be good to pick his brain on what he's been doing. Um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of time for Gibbo. Um, I think he's, he's certainly one of the good guys of the league and... Um, it'll, it'll be good to have a chat to him because another person that I haven't really been able to talk to for a while. So um, in terms of this week, I think hopefully we get all the games in. That's probably my biggest thing. <laughs>